Hello and welcome to another edition of the Stats of War podcast. I am your host, Parker Fleming, and tonight I am here on bye week with Grant McGalliard. We're just going to talk about the TCU-Iowa State game, a disappointing showing on both sides of the ball. TCU has fallen now in S&P. They're down to 27th overall, and their offense is um, in the 50s. Their defense is now in the 30s, which is a little uncharacteristic of a TCU defense. And so a little bit frustrating to see. We have some conversation on this podcast about rush rates. We have some conversation on this podcast about EPA and some graphs that you'll see on Twitter. Everything we discuss is going to be on my profile at Stats of War on Twitter. So make sure you follow me there and can follow along with some of those graphs or look back at them later. But all that to say, we have a great discussion and we try and find some optimism among some some disappointing performances. So good podcast. Always great to listen. Make sure you follow Grant at Grant McGalliard on Twitter. And other than that, let's go out and beat by week. It's Wednesday, which means that I have Grant McGalliard back here on the Frogs for Stats War podcast. Excuse me. Uh, Grant, how's it going? It's going great, Parker. How about yourself? Doing doing all right. Um, enjoying it not being a thousand degrees in Fort Worth for a little bit. So um, Grant, Grant McGalliard of Dallas Morning News, I should say. Sports. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, Dallas Morning News, Sports Day, whatever they are. Also a Frogs War, also the Hood County News if you live in the greater Granbury area. So yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of different hats. All those things. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant, well, it's bye week. Frogs are uh, licking their wounds a little bit after a just an an unseemly showing, one uh-huh. might say, in, uh, in Ames, Iowa this week. I think when you and I talked at the beginning of the season – I made you put pen to paper, and I did it myself. And I think we both chalked this game up as a loss anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, we talked about where we were more worried about Iowa State and Ames than Kansas State in Manhattan. And both of us said, man, Kansas State looks pretty good. I don't know. And we've seen a complete reversal from what we were thinking three weeks ago with that. So let's talk about this game. I don't want to. I've yelled about it on Twitter all week. Um what were your thoughts on this on this loss in Ames this yeah. weekend for the Frogs? I think looking back at this, well, at least at the baseline stats, it, it, you know, it, it was a weird game. I mean, TCU did have two fumbles, one recovered for a touchdown, one that gave Iowa State the ball, um, at, at least in the red zone. I don't remember where they recovered the, the Rager kickoff return. but um, so, so that's, you know, you chalked it up to 14 points, but that's still a 35-24 loss. Um, absolutely listless in the first half, and just the amount of defensive – I guess you call it miscommunication um, in the secondary uh, with the linebacker core just in pass coverage um, was sort of disheartening to see. Um, Iowa State's a, a, you know, a decent team for sure, but um, outside of Louisiana Monroe, I think, or maybe Lafayette, I can't remember. My apologies to the people in Louisiana. They hadn't put up more than like 21 points in regulation, so to give up 45 is, is really bad. And um, I think it's really on the defensive side that this – uh, kind of hangs on. Obviously, TCU had to play catch-up in the second half, and that kind of led to a more high-octane offense. But I, I would kind of blame this one on the defense, which is weird because, I mean, so far that's been the best unit, right, for TCU? I, I agree with that, um, that they have been the best unit. I categorically disagree this is on the defense, but okay. it's okay to disagree. Okay. But I'll, I'll, no, no, I'll entertain no, that for a minute yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. because I think we can put more weight on um, – we could put more weight on defense and special teams than people have been doing because okay. offense is a very easy focal point for our attention to be like, Hey, why aren't they scoring more? Because granted they should score more. Um, and there's some, you know, there's some point of, I think Jamie brought up that uh, on Twitter, Jamie Plunkett brought up that the defense or the offense wasn't the one giving up, you know, this many points and this many yards and all that. And there's some truth to that. There's also some fatigue factors, but if you look at it, especially kind of lump special teams in with defense, Iowa State started, um, on average, at the 40.3-yard line, their own 40-yard line. TCU started at the 22.5, which, by the way, a couple of kicks got ran out of the end zone, which was just stupid. Um, Could have taken the 25 easily. We're losing. So in terms of expected points, over the course of the game, which is about 12 drives for each team, that's 12 points advantage in expectation just from starting out that better field position for Iowa State. So TCU is already shooting themselves in the foot. That lumps in turnovers as well. And so you can you can put that in there. Um, but yeah, really, really tough to see 
the defense kind of crack at the end where, again, it would have been nice to get one more stop. I think about the Oklahoma game, I believe in 2016, where it was one score early in the fourth quarter. TC was going back and forth and they just needed one more stop to try and win. And they couldn't get that last stop. They just couldn't get ahead. And it had uh, a lot of that game kind of on it where it was the offense hit its stride and started going and then the defense couldn't make that one last stop for me though i think offense was too little too late um i am looking at a chart i made that'll be up in my preview tomorrow about big 12 offenses and tcu is dead last in yards per play dead last in yards per play in passes dead last in epa dead last in epa passing so um granted i filtered that for early downs i made it you know filtered that for garbage time and everything so just really meaningful meaningful snaps outside of third down tcu's uh offense has has been really really abysmal and here's kind of the kicker for me 38.1 percent of the time they are passing that's it okay only 38.1 percent Okay, so so, so I, this is a new segment I'm inventing on the fly called "Explain It to an Idiot." But I'm looking at That's a chart you made, and you, you you tweeted earlier today. Um, it was one uh, 130 FBS teams plotting yards per successful rush and yards per successful pass on early downs. Obviously, um, you know, pretty much all teams you know do better passing than they do running. Um, TCU, I, I I would imagine, you know, obviously passes get more um, more yards, but TCU is a good running team. So, so, so explain it to an idiot. Why is it bad for TCU to at, at least try to run the ball uh, against the defense? So the the I love that. I love the name of that segment. We're gonna keep that yeah. going. Um, yeah. It's and it's not you're you're not an idiot. It's the royal idiot. You know, right. it's the there's just right. an idiot here somewhere. Yeah. Um, okay. So what this graph shows is not a, a yards per play measure, right? It's not your average yards per play. It doesn't take success rate into account. It just says when you're successful, relatively, how well do you do? So okay. for me, it's a measure of like potential explosiveness for each team, right? So on the x-axis, you've got these yards per successful rush. TCU is um, sitting at about 12. Again, I filtered that for early downs and between the 20s as to eliminate any kind of short down red zone, setting up for a field goal, all that sort of nonsense. And so TCU successful um, yards per successful rush is they're averaging 12, okay. which is amazing, right? Yeah. So you can think of that as a ceiling, right? Best case scenario. They get a rush, it goes well, they're going to get 12 yards. Right. Okay, their yards per successful pass, even with a terrible passing offense, is 15. Okay. Um, every team except five is above the 45-degree the line. So it's above, they're all better, they all have a higher ceiling on pass than they do on rush. So again, there's execution differences that might happen there, and this doesn't take into account how much you pass or rush. Hilariously, Navy is like way, way up top. Yeah, um, but, Army yeah. is up top. Minnesota is basically a service academy this year Air with Force what they're doing. Is like Air Force yeah, Air Force yeah. is way up there on passing. And so it is, again, it's a little bit, it's not how successful you are, it's not how many times you rush. Just saying, here's, here's a potential theoretical ceiling. And TCU's ceiling on passes, even with this bad pass game, is three yards higher than it is on rushes, all us constant. Okay. So, so that so, makes sense. Yeah, and, and so, so where I was going with that was looking at the eye test, like, which I know is like a bad way to watch a football game, but looking at it, like, obviously the offense was vanilla. Obviously, we, you know, there are a lot of questions you can ask of Seti Cumbie's play calling, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But, you know, if Duggan's not on a roll in the first half, which he wasn't, like that's a sign that the play calling needs to change because in the second half, when TCU opened it up, was passing over the middle, like they looked decent, right? Yeah, like, I wasn't making that up. So they looked good. No, they looked great when they passed down the middle. So um, against Iowa State, TCU rushed fifty-five percent of the time. They only gained thirty-two point eight percent of their yards on the rushes, but they rushed fifty-five percent of the time. That number was eighty after the first drive, and then in the sixties through the first half. In the second half, every drive, TCU decreased their rush rate. So I'm not saying every drive they rushed a little less. Right. I'm saying that they brought their mean, their whole game average of rush rate down every drive in the second half. Um, it was a dramatically different play call. And I can't figure out, Duggan looked great in the middle of the field. He really did. I don't know why we weren't attacking that more. He looked great downfield. He also underthrew that ball to, was it Artavius Lynn? No, it was uh, Surveillance Hunt, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Hunt. And 
and Hunt was wide open, and and the underthrow didn't matter. You called a play so good that even if you're quarterback who's a freshman and needs to grow and is going to make mistakes does make a little mistake you have margin for error so i really really liked that some of those that that there about four drives in the second half were uncharacteristic of tc's play calling they rushed smarter which i think is my new word instead of rush less rushing attacks good just employ it better um but they they look so much better when they brought duggan back in i just hate that they had to bring in Delton for a couple possessions to decide, oh no, it's not actually, it's really not Duggan's fault, it's our play calling, and then they kind of changed it, right? which is a little frustrating. No, for sure it is, and that's the thing, is if Delton had come in and changed the game or played better, then, you know, then there you go, play him, but he did, and I, I mean, obviously didn't wreck Duggan's confidence because he played better in the second half, but it just seemed like nothing was working so they just kind of threw a hail mary and decided to put delton in and if anything that just kind of made the rhythm worse like it just took reps away from from duggan i it just they they need to make a decision parker it's basically what's happening and i'm hoping the bye week kind of accomplishes that but it's it's mind-boggling to me that the coaches haven't seen that duggan clearly is the key to unlock this offense especially in the downfield passing game and and i think that it doesn't matter what I think. I'm just going to say this factually. Sure, yeah, yeah. Imagine that you are a hotshot freshman quarterback. Um, and you go to a situation where a transfer has left. There's been an injury. There's kind of an opening. You work your butt off in the spring. And you earn playing time. Right. And you go in and there's this big looming over your head. Hey, if you screw up, we've got this old guy and we're going to throw him in there. Do you think in any world that does anything but get inside Duggan's head and potentially hurt his performance because he knows if he makes a mistake, he won't have a chance to redeem himself? Like, how do you think he feels in the first quarter? He's a competitor. He's a young kid. He's been awesome before in high school. And he's he's out there and saying, hey, I want to be in a position to succeed. Why? Like, one, why aren't you letting me succeed by passing the ball? But two, why are you rolling me out to my left? Also, a, a key point I wanted to talk about. Uh, but then, why are you why are you putting in Delton? Why are you taking me out in our competitive moment? That tells me that you don't have confidence in me, and you're not going to let me grow. That means I have to perform now. So I, I got frustrated with that. I did too. And there are two. There's one caveat there that I, that I think you tweeted today, and we both need to address, which is that Delton, by all accounts, is a really good dude and a positive presence, like on the TCU yes. football team. Like he is a captain. Like everyone loves him. He's great. I, I would yep. just prefer Duggan to play quarterback. But in the locker room, it, bringing Delton in was a plus. Like, there's no doubt about it. They just need and, to figure out how to use the two. And I had talked myself into Delton start. I mean, like, June and July, I was like, okay, Delton's going to start, and then Duggan's going to take over, and that's going to be right. fine. What yeah. I don't like is the sloppiness of the takeover, that they're yeah. still like, oh, maybe Delton's going to come in. No. Duggan needs to be the guy. Delton needs to come in in a specific package, in a specific situation, if you feel like he can help the team. You don't owe him anything, and all you're doing is hurting Duggan. Completely agree. This is me uh, opening my emergency beer. I, I'll say this, too, just, just as a thing. I wasn't in the locker room. I wasn't there on game day. So maybe at halftime, they did tell Duggan, like, hey, we're going to let you open it up. And if they did, great. Keep doing that, because he I, looked good in the second half. Like, whatever you said at halftime, Say right. it before the Kansas State game. Here's my, it, it's kind of, you never want to be like, why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? But like, exactly. why don't they run that offense all the time? Here's my, here's my latest theory. Okay. This is my favorite theory right now is Cumbie and Malcolm Kelly are fighting, right? They're not like actually fighting, just they're diametrically opposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all through the first half, Cumbie, who's in charge, is like, we're, we're going to run. It's going to work. We're going to run. We're going to work. It's going to work. And Malcolm Kelly's sitting there like, hey, I promise if you throw the ball, good things happen. And then at halftime, Malcolm Kelly goes to Gary and he's like, dad, we're not throwing the ball. And Gary's like, you're right, son. Okay, we're going to throw the ball. And then he makes Sonny come throw the ball. And so that's what I imagine happened in my head. And then the game got close and Cumbie took back over. So because like after 11 drives, TCU's rush rate was down to 45%. And it ended the game at 55%. They just... That's wild. They started... Those last three drives, man, I don't know what was going on, but... Uh, so, so uh, do you have anything more to say about the offense? I know you do, so go ahead, because I do want to talk about the defense. So yes, because well, I have a stat for the defense. I just accidentally segued in the offense because okay, no, I got excited. I, I here's, my, here's my last yeah. de- offensive stat, and it's, and it's just basic box scores. 17 for 24, 219 yards, 
two touchdowns, 31 yards on the ground. Duggan had a game. Duggan played like a living, breathing quarterback. That was great. For a freshman quarterback on the road in a hard place to win against an elite defense, probably the second best or, or if not the first best defense uh, in the conference, great. Absolutely great. And again, still has not thrown an interception this year. Although PFF in their grade, I talked to that guy a little bit today. He said there's four balls that should have been sure, like four sure. turnover quality balls. And so that's bringing his grade down. But again, I don't, I mean, whatever. Whatever. They weren't caught. And I know that's an idiotic thing to yeah. say, but they weren't caught. He hasn't and I don't think I'd think I mean, in less I, of him if he had thrown those four interceptions. I don't know. Sure, sure. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, it's, it's still a stat. I mean, it's still a thing. It's basically, right. I don't know. I, I just, I, Duggan looks like a good quarterback and can develop into a great one. And Definitely. Um, okay, so let's let's segue into defense a little bit because you had a, you had a really good article. I'll start with this. I've been doing this EPA plus measure, which yeah. I kind of stole from baseball. Does like ERA minus or they do OPS plus, and they compare everyone. They streamline it or they uh, standardize it. Excuse me, so that the mean is 100. And so if someone has a score of like 141, they're 41 percent better than average. If they have a score of 91, they're nine percent worse than average. So I did that with offenses and defenses. TCU's offense is at 103, so they're 3% better. Their defense, though, has fallen in the last three games since I've been doing this stat. They're now at 97. So their defense is only only 3% better than average, which for a team that kind of hangs its hat on defense is a little disconcerting. It is, for sure. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with um, the secondary. Uh, I, I listened in and asked a couple questions on the Big 12 uh, coaches conference call this week with Gary Patterson, and he straight up called out his secondary and said they were bad. Um, he called yep. out Vernon Scott, who played really, really well against Kansas and was a huge benefit after being out against SMU. And Patterson said, you know, Vernon did not play very well Saturday um, and said, you know, when the, the defense is good, it's really good. When the defense is bad, it's been really bad. And I think that probably pans out in the two games that TCU's lost this year against SMU and Iowa State. Um, he also called out with Kendrick Van Zandt. Indirectly, he said we had a problem at one of the linebacker spots. Wallow had his traditional good game. So yeah, it wasn't Garrett. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So, uh, and, and you could see that watching plays. I mean, I'm not a coach. I'm not an analyst. But you could see Van Zandt lose running backs and tight ends and pass coverage. You could see the secondary like just fail to cover a wheel route to the tight end entirely on a yep. play Iowa State scored on. Um so I don't know if that's turnover in you know the roster with all the injuries and, and all that, but but these guys are seniors. These guys have experience, and they just didn't communicate. They didn't play well against Iowa State, and it showed. I mean, I mean and, and those are the kind of issues that you can't have, especially for a team that prides itself on its defense. Yeah, um, and 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 again, I think turnover is a lot of that, and then and then you know Van Sant wasn't expected to be the the guy, like, and that sucks. And he's I, in a hard I, position, but also like. I, again, I'm not a, I'm not an X and O's guys. I'm, I'll talk about that later because we got a question, and I like to think I am, but really, I don't know anything. But right. there are plenty of plays where you're like, I feel like someone should have done something about that. Right. right. And that's just what you don't. That's not characteristic of a TCU defense. That kind of sloppiness. You've seen guys get beat. Absolutely, no big deal. But a couple plays, and in the SMU game, I'm thinking specifically of SMU's. Um, it was that running back wheel route. It wasn't a route. It was like a running back out from the backfield. And Ennis Gaines came in on the corner so tight. And the running back just waltzed by him. And you're like, look, I don't even know what scheme was called, whatever. That is just sloppy. Like, you're supposed to cover that, and you just didn't. And so there were some of those moments against Iowa State. Um, not not hurt by or not helped by Brock Purdy's legs, which Brock Purdy had 100 yards on – 30 or what was it? Uh, I'm going to vamp for a second. Uh, he had 12 carries for 102 yards and two touchdowns. Yes. Coming into the game, though, he had like 99 yards on 30 attempts or something. He was averaging like three yards a play. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, his legs had been, we know he can run a little bit, but he hadn't been a running threat all year. And right. TCU just sat back and let it happen. Um, and that's, that's really frustrating. It is. And I'm, I, I, I talk to high school coaches a lot for my job, and I, I one of the coaches I'm covering this year or this week is, is um, covering a running quarterback and kind of a dual threat guy. And you know, he, he it's basically like everyone just has to man their assignment on defense and just stay with the play call, stay with the zone or whatever they're supposed to cover. And I don't know if that's guys aren't 
executing that well. I don't know if just Iowa State's own line blocked well. I don't know what it was. Again, I, like if me and you, like you, you said, I'm not an X's and O's guy. I'm not an analyst. But I, I, from what I've been told, that's how you're supposed to cover that. And for whatever reason, TCU did not. And the fact that we can't cover Brock Purdy, who is a good quarterback for sure, isn't great when you have to cover Charlie Brewer, Sam Ellinger, Jalen Hurts, you know, God, for the rest of the geez. season, who are all better than Brock Purdy and yep. can all run the ball. And it's it's terrifying, Parker, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, if if so, uh, if you uh, my big my favorite thing in the world is cut out outliers, right? And so, like, let's just take away the biggest and the smallest and see what happens with the rest of the distribution. And so, Brock Purdy had uh, 101 yards on 33 rushing attempts coming into the game. To uh, when I tweeted this before the end of the game, so it increased. He had 99 yards on 11 attempts, but he only had 55 yards on 10 attempts if you take out his super long run. And so. It wasn't so much that it was Brock Purdy was consistently happening. It was just there was a systematic breakdown where he got a really, really long run and then TCU got spooked and he took advantage of it. Um, and so that was that was frustrating. And I think you're good. To, you're, it's, it's good for you to call out the defense because it's very easy to say it's only the offense's fault. I think specifically 2013 and you're a young man, so I don't know if you remember 2013. It was before... TikTok didn't exist. There was no White Claw. It was a long time ago. That was my freshman year of college. Oh, my gosh. I, okay. I, I vaguely remember it. Yeah, yeah. But so 2013, that was a 4-8 year. Yep. And a bunch of close games, right? And a lot of metrics, like Bill Conley likes to look at um, who won by – who lost a lot of close games and how much production they're coming back, and they should be good next year. Right. And I think Notre Dame, the year before they went to the championship, was 4-8, and eight, all sorts of things like that. But that defense didn't close. And the offense was abysmal. It was awful. But the defense didn't close. And everyone wanted to say, like, offense, offense, offense. And you're saying, well, yes, but, like, defense could have won those games. Very, There were winnable games on the back of right. defense. And they didn't. And so you think, all right, we turnovers, can't those can't happen. Uh, Jordy, Jordy Sandy shanked punt, can't happen. But then defense, if you give me two more stops, if you don't blow coverage on two of those, TCU wins that game. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's not that the offense couldn't be better. It's not that the offense isn't responsible. It's not that there's not these general equilibrium effects of the defense having to be on the field a lot and the offense doing a one play drive and all this nonsense, but the defense also is a little not up to par, um, which shows, I mean, S and P, excuse me, SP plus, uh, TCU fell in all three categories for the first week. I can remember in a really long time where they offense, it wasn't like defense was great and then offense was bad and they lost. It was offense, defense, bad. They're down. Um, and so that's a little that's a little frustrating there. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And, and, and so <laughs> the weird thing is, is that TCU still has a good defense. Like, they've only played two good offenses this year. I, I mean, Iowa State, honestly, would qualify them as a good offense or not. SMU, or, yeah, SMU certainly is. But you, re- you retweeted something today from uh, at KSU underscore fan on Twitter, the defensive version of the explosive plays chart. And TCU is still, like, by far, you know, percentage of plays, uh, 10 plus yards, TCU is the best in the Big 12 by 4%, um, you know, 20% is even, and then the best in plays 50%, uh, with, with the exception of Iowa State having allowed a 50% play this or a play over 50 yards this year. So, like, mm-hmm. it's still a good defense. It's just not as good as we're used to. And when you're TCU and you predicate yourself on being good at defense, like that's a problem. Yep. Well, and I and I think that chart specifically kind of goes into the counter argument against focusing too much on the defense. Again, it should be analyzed and there were blown assignments and it was bad. But people aren't scoring on big plays against TCU. People are scoring because Duggan got a little yeah. handsy and yeah. Rager yeah. was trying to press and make a play a couple times. And right. Yeah, uh, and so they're in bad positions. And, like, look, you cannot fault a defense for when it's, you know, first – you you stop three downs of SMU, TC, uh, TCU goes out there and fumbles the ball on the next damn play. Right. Touchdown. Don't care. That's not the defense, you know. Right. And so there's a little bit of that that you can account for. But then, again, we can also call balls and strikes and be like, hey, the defense has been the backbone. But there's been some blown – there's been some blown assignments. There have. And I think – I really think this game – is one of, like like you said, it's one of the few games you can make a you know you can point to the entire team and say they didn't play up to par, and and, and that's rare. I mean, this is I, I looked this up the other day. It's the it's one of the worst eight losses in the Patterson era by point margins. Oh man, Wild. do you although do you have that list? Uh, I can. Silence. Um, Grant, I'm interested in seeing that list. Let's yeah. 
take a little break and then we'll come back and hear about some terrible losses. Sounds good. Um, okay, Grant, we're back um, after whatever mattress or shutdown full cast nonsense advertisement that was. Uh, I don't want to hear this, but I do want to hear this. So this was one of the eight worst losses in the Patterson era. Give us those lists. Okay, so TCU under Gary Patterson, so since 2000, has only lost eight games by 25 points or more. They've lost four games by exactly 25 points. So that was this week against Iowa State, last year against Oklahoma. 2016 against Oklahoma State, uh, and 2008 uh, at Oklahoma. The worst loss was last year against West Virginia. It was a 37-point loss. Yeah. Um, uh, 2004 against Texas Tech was 35 points. 2004 against Louisville was 27 points. Uh, and 2001 against Tulane was 26 points. Uh, Man. So, yeah. So, I kind of forgot about hating ass Louisville in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, I, I know because I, I used to play as North Carolina in uh, NCAA football 06, and Brian Brom, when he was on Louisville, would just tear yeah, up dude. that feat. Yeah, yeah, Louisville was very good. <laughs> um, well, and I think that goes to goes to just show the, the resilience of the Patterson defense. You and I talked about this a little bit, and we can have this conversation. Um, the TCU has gotten their – they have gotten taken out behind the woodshed. And a lot of times it looked like 31 to 16, but like TCU got stopped. Right. Um, I can think of an Oklahoma State game in 2000. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Is that, maybe that was 16. I thought I that was, was I thought that, but. It's weird. That, so I'm using sports reference for this, which oh, is invaluable. But um, it, so it, the game I'm thinking of was 2015, which is when they went to Oklahoma State and Mason Rudolph and James Washington tore TCU up and uh, Boykin threw like two pick sixes on out route. Oh, and and Doxon hurt his wrist too, like in the yeah, third quarter, yeah, yeah, and you knew yeah, like yeah, this is yeah, over. Yeah, that, and that that was close. Like I think when Doxon got hurt, it was still within like two or three scores, and you're like maybe sure. something's gonna happen. Sure. And then you look back at that scoring, and it's like man, TCU got they got stopped. Um, got drilled, yeah. Yeah. So here's, I mean, I think you gotta ask the question. I don't want to ask this question, Grant. I don't want to do it, but I'm gonna do it because we're at this point. As Gary Patterson lost a step. I don't think so. I think unequivocally I, I, no. Yeah. No, I, I don't think so. And I, I'm not saying that as an like as an optimist or whatever. I don't think he has. I think there are certain things that even Patterson, who's a defensive genius, has to adjust to. Um, I think there are trends that any coach in you know college football needs to adjust to. But I, I no, I, I don't think he's lost a step. I just think he has some things to figure out, and I, I think they're very uh, very distinct things. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if anything, just, just the resilience out. of the resilience of the of the defense and how consistently good it is, and the fact that like defensive coaches are from the NFL are calling Gary Patterson in the offseason and saying like, "Can we come talk?" Um, the four two five is every bit as important as the spread offense in terms of defending it, and the tight front, which people um, kind of built off that four two five of dividing the field and figuring out the rush with fewer defenders. Um, I mean that is that is every bit of a defensive reaction that is equally significant to the offensive explosion. So yeah, I don't think so. I think that he's kind of saddled with an OC right now that doesn't. So there's some guys on Twitter that talk about pace pairing, uh-huh. and they talk about how like a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator might fit well together. Um, and I think we have a bad pace pairing. I think Gary Paris Gary Patterson's hard to have a pace pairing with. Because his defense is kind of like grindy and slow, but he plays in this big offensive league. And so you've got to have an offense that's explosive and and a little bit crazy, but doesn't score too quickly. And so I think that's kind of the line. It's, it's It's more a chemistry fit than it really is. Has he lost a step or anything? I think he's still innovating. Um, and so I don't think, I think I've seen some people saying things about that. And I think that's dumb. I think he's proved the test of time. Again, longest tenure coach. And it's not like he's Kirk Friends who's just like, yeah, I'm going to get some beefy cornfed boys and some years are going to win four and some years are going to win eight. He's like, 
had elite teams at different situations across different eras of college football and done it differently. So, um, yeah, I just need to bring that up because, you know, whatever. Uh, okay, so any any other – oh, I was going to say thoughts on Iowa State or anything else. Yeah. Well, A, I think Iowa State, I mean, I think, A, it's a good football team. I, I, I do want to answer one thing. Um, I, 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 just in terms of the defense and Patterson losing a step, I also think that the personnel this year hasn't been – a, they've had injuries, and B, I think the defensive ends haven't performed what Patterson expected. Um, I hate to blame college kids for performance because they're college kids. I mean, you know, you, you, you make mistakes sometimes. Um, but Shamik Blackshear, you know, transferred from South Carolina, um, and O'Shawn Mathis is a redshirt freshman this year. They're the defensive ends. And Patterson has said several times this year, like, the ends need to get pressure. Um, mm-hmm. They were better against Kansas. Kansas is a bad football team. Uh, Ohio, you know, uh, excuse me, Iowa State is a, you know, a decent, good football team. Yeah, I, I just don't think they've had the pressure on the quarterback that Patterson's expected. And when you run a 4-2-5, when you have these defensive backs, you need your line to get pressure. And the ends just haven't been what Patterson expected. I think Mathis is going to be a very good football player. Um, he's a redshirt freshman. He needs time to develop. And Blackshear isn't bad, but he just hasn't kind of shown the promise that TCU expected him. You know, he hasn't been as good as TCU expected. So I think that's also kind of played into it. Again, I hate to blame players, but... Right. I think a factor that when you do, you know, yeah, the the pass rush hasn't been there. And if you just think about numbers and comparative advantage, you have four down linemen and two or potentially one in a, in a, in a dime back. If you're playing, you know, if you're playing six defensive backs, um, backs out there, the linemen have to make tackles. They have to, otherwise you have guys stranded on islands trying to pass cover, but also keeping an eye. So like if, if any Ennis Gaines or Vernon Scott is back there covering a pass and also thinks, man, if Purdy breaks, I got to go make that tackle. That's a half step you lose, and that just that just kind of crumbles everywhere. So, yeah, the defensive line again. Hate to hate to blame individuals, but like it just hasn't been as dominant as I thought it would be with Ross Blacklock Bath and how good O'Shawn Mathis looked. Um, also, I just feel like I need to say this out loud because we didn't podcast last week during the Kansas game. Parker Workman was in coverage on like more than one play. Yeah. Again, I'm not an X and those guys, but you were just like, ah, hey, that's not great. He's yeah, not, not Ty great. Summers playing defensive end. Ty yeah. Summers, NFL linebacker. He's not Ty Summers playing defensive end. He can go there. You're like, he is a freshman. I don't know about that, but it's Kansas, so whatever. The dogs hated that, but we're good. Sorry about that. <laughs> cool. I need to, uh, um, that's okay. great. We'll call that our second break and just okay. yeah, have yeah. that as Sorry, our whatever. Sorry, I, I apologize. I totally fine. Um, you're fired. Uh, <laughs> joke's on you. None of us get paid. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so, so a, we've talked about Iowa State. It's bye week. We've talked about the offense or whatever. Let's, um, let's just go to some questions and see what happens. We actually have a lot of questions, which is fun because I think we have the things we want to talk about and this kind of pushes us to talk about some other stuff. So... Um, did you have one you wanted to start on, or do you just want me to kind of pick what uh, we got? I do, and I think this is one you addressed um, in terms of not being an X's and O's guy, but kind of a fun question. Um, noted Frogs of War, uh, uh, you know, a friend of the pod, if you will, uh, Yell MK. Uh, I think he had a great question. You get to call three consecutive plays uh, with the Frogs starting at their own 25. What three plays are you calling to guarantee a first down? Um, I think it's, uh, that's a really good question for people that aren't callers definitely uh although someone someone tweeted uh i got i got actually visibly angry and i know this is a joke someone tweeted <laughs> halfback dive fade and then the world wild frog and it's like that's we've done that before that's real so i, know, yeah. I can't even joke about that <laughs> um, I, I jokingly said four verts four verts four verts and i was kind of joking but kind of not um, four verts with a white cross man let's do it yeah I, <laughs> um I, I i agree with you i mean you go ahead because you have a better handle on this, and I'll, you know, try to uh, add my contribution. But I, I think you kind of have the handle on what we should do on first down, at least. 
Okay, so I've said multiple times, I was screaming at the beginning of the Kansas game because literally I've said all season, all I want to happen is for TCU to get a stop on defense and then Max Duggan to score on the first possession. Yep. That's all I want. Three and out and a first possession touchdown. It happened during Kansas. Beautiful. Just wonderful. So here's my idea. First down, they're going to – people people think we're going to run because we run a lot, right? And we have a very good running attack. You have running backs that you can't – you have to account for. I would put Shawo and Darius in the backfield at the same time. It would be awesome. Okay, so the first thing, I would absolutely go play action and try and get a six or eight yard middle of the field completion. Mm-hmm. Just right at the seam just the safety right at the beginning, go right at him and be like, you have to choose. Do you want to get murdered by the running backs or do you want to get caught over the top? And I think that seam kind of works. The second thing I would do is I would go Jalen Raker deep on second and short right there, right? Take a shot. No big deal. Because then here's where the, so I think everybody on Twitter thinks I hate the run game. I don't hate the run game. People in the comments think I hate the run game. The run game's beautiful. That's why you can do something like on second and short, you can go over the top to Rager, who makes plays down there, and Duggan and him have a little bit of repertoire in that Iowa State game, and go deep. And if it fails, then boom, you've got a running back that can get you three yards on second, on third and three. Absolutely. And so I think that's that's the move is play action, make them think twice about the run, take advantage of that, take a deep shot, and then clean up the garbage with the running backs, rinse, lather, repeat. I completely agree. I'm going to mirror you on first down. And it's weird to me because in the preseason, the coaches talked a lot about putting Darius and Shewo in the backfield together. And I may have missed it, but I haven't seen that hardly at all this year. No, but I think that's been I think that's been because of wide receivers. So like Pro Wells has been splitting out. And then Shewo's had a ton of reps at wide receiver this year yeah. just because he's got hands. And if he gets moving fast, it's kind of terrifying. But no, it is. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I would put him in the backfield. I think second down and short, ideally, I'm going to sound like every NFL comment or uh, color commentator that is just discovering this principle, but I think an RPO would be nice. Uh, <laughs> so it, it, if they do sell out to cover the deep pass on second and short, then you can just hand the ball off and get a first down. Perfect. Um, and then, yeah, on, oh. you know, ideally you got a first down there. If not third down, get three yards with Shewo and keep going. But first down passing just seems to be a, an obvious concept when you have good running backs and you have a quarterback that can you know hum the ball over the middle and is clearly comfortable doing so right point uh point of point of order though have you seen tcu ever run an rpo no i haven't and this is why look i'm the offensive coordinator in this scenario (laughs) so that's why i am i'm doing i was gonna say that's kind of cheating to pull plays that aren't in our playbook but whatever (laughs) okay well then run zone read duggan is a capable runner I mean, he scrambled. I was very impressed, honestly, with his ability to scramble. Uh, because I was that's like, where I seen that. That's where I wish I had better data because, like, the NFL tracking data is so extensive that it, it they actually mark it as a drop back and then show that the quarterback scrambled. Okay. Because Max Duggan has a pretty good EPA on rushing, but like most of it is him scrambling, which is great. They really didn't let him run a read. It was just no. a split zone. It was the running back's choice what hole to go in. It wasn't the quarterback's choice to give. And in Iowa State, he had, I think, two really good pulls yeah, and got six or eight yards. And and what I love about that that's so exciting is when he does that, the, his body language is so different. He gets up. He's slapping people on the helmet. He's like, oh, let's yeah. go tempo. Let's go. And when he's excited, he's awesome. And you can just see, I think, specifically about the reverse that looked so lazy. And yep. Duggan was clearly like, this is freaking stupid. We're not doing this. Why are we doing this? The difference between that and then him in the third quarter where he's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. I just think, yeah, I, I there's my point. Rever- I had pushed that reverse out of my mind until you brought it up. Man, I, I, it was I, the I, laziest. It was so bad. Like every, all 11 men on the field were like, I don't want to be running this play. This isn't going to be great. Like It, it, it I, yeah, terrible. Have you ever read um, Have you ever read uh, Mark Twain, Connecticut Yankee, and King Arthur's Court? I love Mark Twain. So, I never read that book. Yeah. Okay, it, it holds up. I had to read it in high school, and then I was bored at a conference like a couple years ago, and I ended up reading it instead of listening to this conference, which, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and it's hilarious, and it holds up. It's a really quick read. But the whole idea is like a man gets hit on the head, and he wakes up, and he's in ancient Middle like medieval England. And... He has to convince people that he's a wizard so he can survive. And he's like making fireworks or he predicts this eclipse or whatever. And I think Sonny Cumbie thinks he's 
the Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Because this offense in 2009 is groundbreaking. Oh, it is yeah. outstanding. Like, he is up there with, like, Chip Kelly, uh, Gus Malzahn in terms of innovation, which Gus Malzahn has evolved a ton. Um, and so it's kind of, it's not like Gus Malzahn today. It's Gus Malzahn in 2009 uh, getting kicked out of Arkansas, all that stuff. But it just, it's not an offense. It's not a modern offense today. It's an old offense today. Yeah. It's been passed by two cycles of offense. We've seen the Bryles offense come. Oh, gross. Sorry I said it. Um, we've seen that come and go, and we've seen defenses <laughs> fight it. And then we've seen people innovate on top of that. Yeah. We're not even running two, we're not even running two, two uh, software updates ago. We're stuck on the iPhone 1 yeah. uh, because it was cool. And that's just that's what's frustrating. This is Windows 7, the offense. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, well, well I'm glad we got depressed enough. What, what uh what question do you have next gosh okay so th- yeah thanks i was trying to not whatever uh just throw the damn ball on first down so uh scrolling through these um i've got uh my friend cameron soren cameron and i worked together and built this expected points calculator app that's still a little bit beta testing work in progress but kind of cool you can find the link on his profile but he asked are we likely to see more three down with the linemen as the season progresses, like Patterson uncorked against Cal and the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, so we talked about the defensive line. What do you think about three down and throwing another linebacker or, or defensive back out there? I don't hate the idea, except that I don't know what linebacker you throw out um, or defensive back. Um, I think we're stretched so thin at that position already. I mean, Keenan Reed and, and Keon Stewart have been forced into playing um, when they really weren't expected to. So if we had the personnel, I don't hate the idea. I just don't really know who you'd throw out there um i'm looking at the roster now as gofrogs.com um is as slow as possible um yeah i'm pulling up our linebackers and i, I don't know who you put there um yeah yeah i i, I just don't think they have the personnel at the moment yeah and i and, and i have my like philosophical disagreements with running three when you're a four two five team and a lot of it's personnel um but i mean the pass rush isn't there so in theory if we have the personnel Sure, the pass rush is not getting there. Three as opposed to four is not that much of a downgrade. Let's, no, it's not. Uh, let's throw it, another guy yeah. out there, but like let's throw a QB spy or something. But I don't think we'll do that. Uh, we we do it in like third and long a lot, but I don't think we'll do that um, categorically. That won't be a choice we make going forward. I completely agree. Um, I think the loss of a uh, um, oh dadgummit, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the linebacker. Uh, Montreal Wilson. Yes, thank you. Golly. I tried to give you sign language over the... Over uh, well, I, I haven't, haven't... I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mar- uh, yeah, yeah. Losing him for the season really hurt TCU. Yeah. Because if you wanted to go three down, you could throw Van Zant in there and just have him kind of run to the ball. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because Van Zant is that perfect, like, hybrid, like, Derek Kendred kind of... Yeah. Completely agree. And I think he will be really good later on in his career. He, he just young. And right if now. he was playing in a ancillary role like we thought he would come in and make an impact as opposed to being exploited for being young and, and inexperienced yeah completely yeah yeah so i think losing wilson really really hurt and i think if he was there like we would have a lot we wouldn't be having this conversation about the defense basically definitely and if he was if he had one losing him hurt emotionally just because like yes. that dude it was his time and that stinks yep. Yep. and injuries the worst but also it hurt that it happened we didn't like august was when it happened and right. so that that stinks yeah that's tough. So no, I don't think we'll see more three down. Three down. Uh, we have two uh, pop culture questions about Beatles albums and the NBA in China. Sure. I'm gonna hit uh, next on both of those. Great. I think, I unless you have, yeah. Uh, it, help is the only good Beatles song, and then we can move on. Uh, I, Sergeant Pepper's is fun. I don't know. I'm not yeah, gonna pretend wait, like wait, I'm wait. a scholar of rock. I never got into rock to Bach at TCU. I never registered in I time. Took that class. It was I had to take classical music, so. <laughs> Rock the Bach was the easiest class I've ever taken, and it really gave me an appreciation for the Rolling Stones, so I, nice. I had a good time. You took the good things out of that then. I did. Um, okay, I've got one. Pick the one that's more true. Cumbie's offensive design lacks substance. Cumbie's ability to call in-game is, I'm editing this, is lacking. So is it his offensive design or is it in call in game play calling? And I'm going to abstract away from Sonny Cumbie because again, I don't like attacking individuals, even though he's pretty solely responsible for this. Is it TCU's offensive philosophy or is it their in game strategy? That's really limiting them. Uh, I'll, I'll say it's the latter because I think TCU 
does want to be a modern offense. I, th- I think, like we talked about like five minutes ago, we're not there and we're a couple software updates behind, but I think that is the general principle that TC wants to operate in, and that's fine. Like I am completely okay with that. I just think that the plays themselves and the in-game adjustments that we make, like we talked about earlier, bringing in Delton, not letting Duggan operate over the middle when that's clearly working, um, that's the problem. Uh, not necessarily the you know the attitude of the offense. Yeah, and I think you can see that with the kind of ebbs and flows. So I've got this chart, and I'll tweet it out. That's kind of this. Uh, a friend of mine has done like a rolling EPA, you know, and you can see the big swings in TCU's EPA where they figure out what works and then keep going with it. And I think maybe it's it could be indecision. It could be he feels like he needs to establish the run. I've seen some people float the idea that like. Gary wants time of possession, so we're running heavier, and then when we get behind, we have to play differently. I don't know, but I think I think there the answer to this is is both a little bit. Um, but I think the in-game play calling, because we've had, you know, great drives, we've seen that the offense can be great in this offensive philosophy. I think that some of it is in-game play calling. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's completely fair. Um, and I mean, maybe it's just a lack of. Maybe the coaches don't trust Duggan as much as we do. I don't right. Know, but I, I, I want to, like, best case scenario, because, like, you know, you want to be online and be like, they're dumb, they're not doing right. whatever. They're they, very They smart. are they're thinking about coaches. this way more yeah. than we are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. And yeah. if it were it were that easy to fix, they would fix it. There's clearly some other stuff going on, so right. that's that's fair. Um, all right, we've got, uh, I think, three or four more. So tell us your thoughts on the third and goal end zone fade. Uh, when it works, it's great. <laughs> Yes, if we score a touchdown, sure. Uh, results are greater than process, like I always say. Um, uh, more serious question. How do we get more explosive plays? This person, Lopti, I yeah. think, yeah. whose name is at Damp Fruit, which, Great. hold on. I'm gonna, before we answer this question, I'm going to side note. Someone has been responding to my tweets, and they have a normal name, but then their Twitter handle is like Chemical Toilet. Oh, and wow. Okay. I'm, oh, not respo- a, I'm not responding is, to that. I don't care. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, Maybe. That is a reference to that TV show. I am 90% sure. Maybe. That TV show makes me feel like a bad person, so I never really watched it all the way through. Uh, But I'm not responding to Chemical Toilet. Damp Fruit is like the line of gross names I'll respond to. Uh, So, so, Okay, Parker, so how do you get more explosive? Pass the book. Just pass the ball. Just, okay. I don't know. That's my answer, too. I, I, I think, yeah, take shots. Keep running and hope the line... Like keep running and hope linebackers fall over, or throw the ball behind the sticks. Run routes that are on third and eight. Do not run a six-yard route. Yeah, that's not exactly explosiveness, but yeah. So I think I think again, if you think that random plays, or excuse me, you think explosive plays are a little bit random, right? Um, and I tell you, Grant, you have to roll a die ten times, and you have to roll a six, or you owe me two thousand uh-huh. dollars, right? You're like, shoot, I don't know if that's gonna happen. But if I say, Grant. You have to roll a six over a hundred dice, or I or you owe me two thousand dollars. You feel a little bit better about that, right? You just have more chances. So, like, if if big plays are random and they are to some extent, the way you increase that randomness is you give yourself more opportunities to run big plays. And big plays happen more often in passing than they do in rushing. So, to maximize your opportunity, you need to pass, which all comes back to that graph that we talked about at the beginning of the higher ceiling. You have a higher ceiling when you pass smart. You have a higher ceiling when you rush smart. And so. Pass, pass when you need to, rush enough to keep the defense honest, and then punish the defense with the rush when they're overcommitting to the pass. I completely agree with everything you said, and so I'm just going to add on one little tidbit I've learned babysitting little kids. If you have any, like, five-year-olds and you have a die, you should roll it and tell them that you'll give them a dollar if they can roll a four, but if they can't, they should give you a dollar. Uh, it's my favorite game to play with my little cousins and kids that I babysit, and uh, it is a principle that clearly the TCU offense needs to learn. Absolutely. That's hilarious. Um, okay, two more, and we'll kind of wrap up. These will be yeah. quick. One is um, uh, a friend of mine, Trip Going, says, thoughts on letting Duggan learn behind Baldwin. And I will laugh at that in frustration for a second, and then I'll say, if Baldwin was going to play this year, he would have already played. Baldwin's going to redshirt. He's hurt. Um, he's going to get healthy. He's going to spend time getting healthy and learn the offense. He'll probably compete for the job next year. I don't know if I'll win it. I have no idea what he's like. I've heard he can throw downfield, but Duggan's going to grow too. So we'll worry about that next spring. I don't think Baldwin's a threat this year. I hope he's good, and I hope he pushes Duggan, and I hope the better quarterback wins. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, finally, okay, our last question for the night, perhaps the most important. Important. Will Bratcher My asks cousin. your cousin. Oh, My wonderful. Cousin so this is this is a uh, this isn't like a would you rather. This is just a make fun of Grant. So I love this. The question is, who would win a hundred yard dash? Jalen Rager or Grant with a 30-yard head start? You could give me a 50-yard head start, and Jalen Rager would win in a 100-yard dash. I was going to ask. I went the opposite direction. I thought, okay, 10 yards. All right, Jalen Rager, best-case scenario, probably runs a 9-something. I think the world record's like 9.25 or something crazy. So he runs like nine, a 9 five, or 10. Seven. Yeah, yeah. 9-5, because it just happened, right? The American guy yeah, just, just said oh, it again. Yeah. Oh, did he really? Oh, I missed that. Okay, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think somebody did, but he's like controversial. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. This isn't a track podcast yet. We might get there, but... <laughs> yeah. So I thought, okay, 10 seconds. 10 yards in 10 seconds, super easy. You could probably beat him. 20 yards, probably. 30 yards, probably. Probably. And then you get into that 40 to 50 range, and you're like... I don't. I would not put a bet on you with a sixty-yard head start against Jalen Rager. No. So, so, listen, so I, I've I've ran a forty-yard dash before. It's not pretty. I mean, I'm I'm literally I'm extremely slow. So that's probably around. Okay. So my forty is probably around seven seconds. I mean, again, I'm very slow. So yeah. that's seven. So if it's a hundred-yard dash and Rager's starting at the hundred, right? So let's say he runs it in ten five. Okay. And I'm at seven from where I am. So then you back that up. Where am I at at fifty? I'm probably at nine. So I could probably get him at a 50 head start. I think so I think in the 40s, you're good. 40s, and then it gets 50s, yeah. 50s and you're like, uh. I could probably win at 50. I think when you get to a 40-yard head start is where I'm like, I might lose this thing. Yeah, that makes sense. If you get on this side of 50 is kind of that, yeah. eh, he might beat me. Yeah. These are the analytics people come to the Stats of War that, podcast. That, that's so great. That's awesome. Yeah, keep that coming. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Um, Grant, this has been so fun. Um, everybody make sure that you go follow Grant McGalliard, spelled exactly like it sounds with a C and a G and some L's and I's. Um, he's on there. I'm at Stats of War, and we'll both have pieces up at Frogs of War, and Grant will be at um, whatever fancy Dallas newspaper he's at these days. Um other than that, Grant, I think we're done for the night and I uh, appreciate talking to you and hope we go out there and have a, uh, a good a good bye week. Okay, hold on. Sorry.